Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast. And we welcome back our Rockets expert, Frank for Rockets Chop Shop. And after a rough All-Star weekend as a Rockets fan, it's good to catch up with you, Frank. But the All-Star weekend is kind of the perfect encapsulation of the season. So not enough Shangoon and Tari playing time. Where have we heard that before? Jabari bricking three. Sound familiar? <laughs> Terrible passing to KJ. Uh, yeah, that sounds familiar. And and it wrapped up with a blowout and basically no defense on Sunday. Oh, my, oh my goodness. I know. I probably say this every year. That's probably one of the worst all-star games I've ever watched. You know, Jabari not hitting a single three. You know, okay. No, the Tari, you know, barely getting to play. The Shangun looking like his best impersonation of James Harden at all-star game. It was not a good look for us as a squad, but the game itself was so, so it was unwatchable, unwatchable. I don't know what the NBA needs to do for that, but you know what I think my theory is that if you remember in the, in the previous years, when a lot of this year, we really didn't have a, a lot of our Hallmark players play and they usually set the tone for, okay, guys, let's start. Let's get for real. Like when you have like Giannis or LeBron or Kevin Durant, Durant start playing defense, everybody else follows suit, especially in those fourth quarters, because they know when to turn it on. Even the Kawhis and all these guys, well, Steph, none of them were there. It's just a bunch of secondary stars, and they didn't have a leader out there. Once LeBron went out, um, it was wraps, and they just kind of just went around in circles and just put on one of the worst performances that I've ever seen. And even the Jason Tatum thing, to be a fan of Kobe, I would be kind of like ashamed. You're just out there basically shooting practice shots to get that trophy as the all-star game. That's probably the most meaningless all-star game MVP probably ever. They literally just let them take shots. And the most entertaining part was when him and uh, Jalen Brown went back and forth for like five plays. After that, it was, yeah, pretty bad weekend. I, they need to definitely fix something with that. Man, this is where it was going. I mean, we're in the era of load management. I, I, I knew this is where we're headed. If If you don't want to play as much as these guys don't seem to want to play on a regular basis. And I get the, you know, trainers and analytics people are involved in load management as well. But, you know, a, a great portion of this is about the players. You just felt like, oh, this is where things are going. It's like, you know, everybody is so concerned and so freaked out about actually trying hard and anything but a playoff game. I want to go back to the Rockets, though, for a second, Frank, because why does our collective IQ as a team, as players, as a franchise, have to be so horrible. K.J. Martin plays with one of the best passers in the NBA. The guy's in Salt Lake this weekend. It's not like, you know, he's thousands of miles away, and he picks Jayshon Tate to set him up for the <laughs> slam dunk contest. That's the guy? Yeah, I'm not sure what happened there, man. I, I was having flashbacks of Jalen's 15 attempts. I was like, oh, my God, please, not again. Not again. Not one of these... Uh, where he's going to keep trying and never get the dunk. At least he got to finish his dunks in less than five tries. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just – I don't know what happens with the Rockets. It's just like we just have a, a – we just have a bad look going around with us wherever we go. Um, but, you know, I did enjoy the slam dunk contest. Mac McClung, uh, he definitely put on a good show. Um, I've been following him for a while. I think most of the people that are – into that ball is life, high school mixtape stuff. Everybody knows Mac McClung. To me, he has probably a top five high school mixtape in in the era of high school mixtape. So it's kind of full circle for him to go from a kid that when you saw him in high school, you thought, oh, yeah, he's going to be a star, breaking Allen Iverson's Virginia scoring record. 
Um, and then going to Georgetown, not doing anything there, going to Tech, not doing anything there, uh, getting to the league, getting kicked out the league uh, for not being that good, uh, G League, uh, borderline out the league, and then to come full circle to win the dunk contest. Good for him. That was probably the most entertaining part of the night. Uh, but, man, it, it's it's so many things. I saw even, like, the John Morant quote of him, like, almost scoffing at not being in the dunk contest. Like, it's a badge of honor not to be in the dunk contest. I don't know what's going on, man. I don't know what's going on. They need to, to somehow reshape this. I don't know if they could do it in the CBA or something or put some better incentives or make it mean something. But right now, um, they're looking like they're going to be trending with the NFL. We might just do an start doing one-on-one drills uh, in a couple of years if they just want to have people watch because it's really, really nasty right now. Yeah, there's some soft NBA players, in my opinion, these days that are too afraid to – this isn't about getting injured. These are just guys that are afraid to be embarrassed, Frank. They're afraid to get out there and look bad. That's it. Yep, that's basically what it is. Um, To guard on defense in an all-star game, nobody wants their – and it could be you could blame the agents too. Nobody wants their clients to look bad. I'm sure some of the players don't care but they're going to get counsel not to do so. So, yeah, um, you know, I even the uh, the Elam ending that they tried, it, it failed. They didn't even care. And it's for charity. So if I was a kid in the Salt Lake City, you know, Boys and Girls Club, and I see my guy out there just walking, <laughs> like what, what, what hope do I have that we're going to get this 50000 It's really sad, man. That was bad look for the NBA. <laughs> uh, Rockets news, I guess, in the last week. Uh, it feels like there's a couple of things that were news that maybe weren't news to you and I, but let me get to that in a second. Uh, support us by subscribing and commenting on YouTube and listen to us on your favorite app. But Frank, Silas quoted as saying he hasn't run a play for a Jabari all year. People were outraged. I mean, come on, Frank. Does anybody listen to you and me? Right. I mean, it, it, I'm not going to say I knew for a fact. I wished against, I hoped that we were wrong, but we kind of, I mean, yeah, it, it, it seemed like it. Um, it was very, uh, the evidence was very overwhelming that Jabari was not having plays ran. And to me, this also confirms what we saw last year with Jalen Green. Um, when everybody complained that he was being used like P.J. Tucker standing in the corner waiting for a kickout pass from a point guard who didn't know how to read a pick and roll. So, I mean, it's – I think the where they put themselves in, and this is, you know, they put themselves in – in and he did go on to quote uh, – I think there's more quotes from Stone about their read and react offense that they run. I don't know if it was Silas or Stone that said anything about that, but um, – in order to have a read and react offense, you have to have players that are able to read, right? <laughs> then they can react. The problem is the guys can't read. They don't have the collective IQ to be able to make the right decisions on what the defense is showing them. So if you're not going to run plays for Jabari Smith and you're expecting the ball handlers that you have to be able to also learn and make the right plays, even though you know they can't, you're essentially setting them up for failure. It, it was very, I mean, to me, that's a crazy comment for a coach to say, knowing what we have going on with about seven or eight sub 21 year olds on the team who are still learning the NBA game. You're going to plop in a, the, one of the youngest players in the league, your third overall pick and put him and put him at the mercy of a bunch of other guys that don't know what they're doing. Um, it's, it's borderline incompetent in my opinion. Um, and, you know, it's just kind of more on brand with what the Rockets have been doing the past two years as it relates to developing these young guys that they got. Let me ask you this, though, because we talked about this, and I'm of the opinion that, yeah, Silas gets a lot of blame, but Jabari Smith gets a lot of blame because as an NBA player that is coming in known as a shooter, 
when you're constantly wide open, when they throw you the ball and you cannot make the shot, it is very much also your fault. But let me ask you this, Frank, if you were Steven Silas, what plays do you run for Jabari Smith? Because he's not a guy that just runs around a pick and he's a guy that's just going to be Clay Thompson and get the ball and shoot. You can't put him in the post quite yet on a consistent basis because he doesn't have the size to, you know, handle some guys in, in the lower body physically. He gets bumped a lot. We've seen it when he has had a chance to get in the post. He he has trouble keeping that position, bully balling a guy, doing all that sort of stuff. Stuff sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. You know, what what are the plays that you think Silas should have run for him specifically? Like what kind of action do you think would have helped get Jabari? going i mean maybe a back cut or something like that but is there a, a a defender that's going to be scared of jabari coming off the pick coming out aren't they going to be anticipating him going to the basket if he's coming off of picks or something like that yeah i think for them um obviously you have to find out what he's what he likes and one thing i noticed about jabari he does like to he can pull up in transition um, he can walk up, walk into a lot of threes. And I, I noticed they did start doing that earlier in the year, but abandoned it uh, towards the end, uh, kind of the middle of the season, where they would let him bring the ball up in transition and walk into some threes because it just felt like it was comfortable for him. But also just, um, once again, goes back to the read and react. Use him more as a screener in the, in the, in the, uh, for the guards. And then the guards have to be, uh, have the enough sense to be able to get him the ball in a timely manner in the rhythm of the play rather than when the defender is able to recover and things like that. He still has to hit shots, but to me, the quality of the shots also matter. There's a difference between getting a, you know, a kick out three with a few seconds left to try to make it than being in the middle of the action. One of the best uh, games Jabari had was a game where Coach Silas actually started um, the game with three, like almost two to three straight plays just drawn up for him, where he's coming off the screens, to me, he is a movement shooter, not to the extent of a Steph Curry or Clay Thompson, but yeah, you can use him off pin downs and things like that. Maybe in short uh, areas, not like he's going to go baseline to baseline uh, running to get an open shot, but in short spaces where you can um, also do some things with him and Shangoon. Um, a little two-man action with big on big where he can get into his mid-range and shoot from there because we know he is a better mid-range shooter than he's a three-point shooter. I think personally Jabari is, has been... He's, like I said, one of the youngest players in the NBA. I don't think he's NBA ready. I think he was thrust into the workload that he he's, he was given playing 30-plus minutes a game too early. Um, I think that they should have been splitting his minutes directly down the middle with Tari Eason and giving them almost even workload. So Jabari, he doesn't deserve to play that many minutes, and he's not ready to play as many minutes as he's playing. The kid is just not ready for the NBA right now. I still have a lot of faith in him and his work ethic. I think he'll be fine. Um, but yeah, he's, uh, somebody pointed out on, on one of the, um, uh, Rockets rewatch things I was listening to. He's uh four months younger than the Thompson twins, you know? So that should put things in perspective for well, who Jabari is. He's just, they, they, on a functional team with real veteran structure, he shouldn't be playing as much as he's playing. He's that bad. And you could imagine if you're, a you're a player and you're that young on a real team, you're going to be sitting behind vets and learning. And a lot of the mistakes you get to make, you're going to make them in practice um, as you're learning. You make mistakes in practice. Coach gets on you. By the time you hit the court, you've already gotten out all your mistakes. But for him and Jalen and these guys, they look so terrible their first few months because they're learning in real time. 
So they're making the mistakes that a regular rookie on a regular functioning team would have made in a practice setting um, in front of everybody on their NBA stat record. So it goes down that they're shooting this poorly. So we're just watching them pretty much grow or not grow before our eyes. The only issue is that the Rockets are doing nothing to help them out. Um, There's no structure there. There's no support. There's no veterans. The coach is just verbalized. He doesn't run plays for them. Then he's leaving them to be uh, basically play with other guys that don't know what they're doing. So I'm hoping with this phase two that Stone has alluded to that it includes um, actually trying to develop the assets that you were trying to accumulate through phase one. Yeah, but we can say all all of that. But man, if the guy just makes his open shots, I mean, it's it's a world of difference. I mean, we can be so angry at Silas and whatever, and you didn't put him in better position. There's a lot of not ideal situations in the NBA that you walk into. And there's a lot of rookies that come in and they don't even get near as many chances to to, to, to miss shots as Jabari Smith does. And it, it, it's as simple as make the shots. And he had wide open shots in the skills competition. He had wide open shots in the rookie sophomore challenge. Steven Silas wasn't even close to the arena in Salt Lake City. Just Make your open shots, brother. Show me that you can shoot the basketball. Show me that you know how to shoot a jump shot. And it's not just that he misses the three-point shots. This isn't about learning the three, which is I thought was going to be a big deal. He's missing the twos. He's missing the mid-range shots. He's missing pretty much everything outside of layups and, you know, five-foot floaters and stuff like that. It's it, To me, that's the most baffling thing of all because, yeah, that, I mean, we just come back to that. It's like, man, just make an open jumper. And the crazy thing is you watch him at practice. He shoots them like he's the best shooter in the world. I've seen video of him shooting 20 shots in a row uh, on threes and they're just all look beautiful. So obviously there's something there. Yeah. I'm not absolving anything from him as a NBA athlete is getting paid, but I think all those things I said are also there. And to me, one of the key things is that, like I said, he, he hasn't earned the minutes he's getting just because he's a number three pick. Yes, I, obviously you're going to play him on this team, but, you know, there's there's teams that he wouldn't even not only start, but he would get very few minutes on because of what he's producing. So I think it might benefit him not to play as much. Um, that's that's what I'm saying. I think he's getting to your point. Yes, if he, he's not going to hit, hit his shots, bench him and not bench him out of like punitively that makes him feel bad, but he just doesn't deserve the minutes he's getting. And I don't feel like, you just to make a guy feel better about his shooting, you just give him 30 minutes a night. And like Stone said that you try to accelerate their development by playing them. That 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 was also baffling to hear because just throwing people out there to to get embarrassed and lose is not going to accelerate development. And sometimes you can actually reinforce bad habits and, and bad bad traits that you you don't want in players. So if that was their plan for development, I'm not it's not surprising that pretty much across the board, maybe except Kevin Porter Jr., everybody's shooting worse than they were the previous season uh, on the team. So, yeah, I think it's a mixture of both Jabari and whatever he got going on, and the Rockets just really don't know what to do with these kids that they have. All right, Frank, do we need to take a time out in the middle of the show to pray for Victor? What do you think? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, that's your owner, man. That's your owner. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's your guy <laughs> yeah that that i you know i just if you guys want to go over to the chop shop I, I have a video just talking about this but i'm just gonna echo some of the things i said one that that has to be i mean for him to say that unprovoked with a hurricane in his hand uh when frank the reporter 
didn't even ask. You could even tell uh, Frank was a little like, okay, tell me, let's change the subject. If you listen to that interview, the, the reporter basically said something that indicated that they had talked beforehand not to uh, to talk business. Yeah, there was, there was no Rockets talk that was allowed. He tried to set him up to just say some nice, hey, it's Mardi Gras, I'm enjoying blah. No, but Tillman, maybe a little bit, a couple of, um, a little bit in the system going there. His his blood is flowing a little bit. So first, the, the thing I did notice, the whole thank God we get 10 days off. So that's definitely a, a shot at the Rockets experience that we are all experiencing. And I'm sure he, he's impacted by what he's seeing on the court too. Then to say that unprovoked is just dumb, in my opinion. The reason I say it's dumb, people could say it's not, it's not a big deal. I guess in a vacuum, it's not. But one, you don't have the player yet. So, and two, obviously, you're not supposed to be saying that as an NBA owner. Um, you don't have the player. There's a chance you may get the third, fourth pick. And then if I'm, you know, one of the parents of the other team and I'm scrolling through social media and I see that the owner for the team that may draft my son is over here praying for another athlete to come there because none of these guys think they're not, they're not the players. You just don't put that out there. Then you have these, the Jabari's and the Jalen's of the world, regardless of how bad they're playing, they don't think they're chopped liver. And you saying pray for Victor, even though we as fans, yeah, let's pray for Victor. We, oh, God, yes, I want Victor. I will pray for Victor. <laughs> I, I am going to be praying and asking God to give us Victor, but he shouldn't say that as an owner. It's just, well, it, it looks bad. It's it funny bad. because, you know, this is what it looks like the Rockets, their whole philosophy was this year. I mean, it's not that any of this is a surprise to any of us. I mean, that this is their philosophy. This has been their philosophy for the year is we're going to be as toilet trash as we can be. We're going to try to give ourselves the best odds that we can. We're not going to develop players. We don't care what the who, what the coach does, how bad he screws things up. We're going to throw out Dacian Knicks and Boban and guys that have no business being on an NBA court at this point for a team that's trying to develop players. And let's pray for Victor. That's our plan for the year. That's the whole thing. That is a perfect encapsulation of the Rockets' plan. And, and, and them saying that, oh, yeah, we got this. We know what we're doing. We have a game plan. Now, I know we haven't talked about this because we missed last week. With Stone's interview, um, base or the, I don't know, I think it was a, I don't know who wrote the article. I think it was Brian something that um, did an interview with Rafael Stone about, uh, I guess, their plan. And he comes out saying that uh, he he wants to push back on the fact that they don't have a plan, that they do have a plan. And if you want to criticize the execution of said plan, but don't criticize that we don't have a plan. Like, brother, who cares? Having a plan, I could plan to be rich tomorrow. And what, what, the, what does that mean? That is having a plan doesn't mean anything. You don't get a pat on the back. You know, I could plan to burn my house down. That doesn't mean I'm doing good. Having a plan, literally the article is defending them having a plan and not actually the content of what they're trying to do. And to me, the Tillman thing just kind of, yeah, yeah, your plan is aggressively and rigidly accumulate assets and even in doing that, you did a bad job doing that because we are one of the most asset-poor teams as far as it relates to the tanking teams in the NBA at this point. You didn't develop the actual tangible items you do have on your on your, in your books as these players are, the Jalen's and the Jabari's. That's the most realist asset you have that is actually tangible. You ignore that. And now you're going to pray for a 14% chance at getting Wembyama. And Lord knows what the plan is if they don't get him. Now you're going to be scrounging around trying to run plays for Jabari so he can lend to a winning culture when you're trying to save your job and have a, a over 500 club next season. It, it to me is just, is crazy. 
Um, yeah, they had a plan. And I'm going to say just from the outside looking in and some of the outcomes we've seen, I am going to criticize the execution. It's been terrible. Like you don't get all these players and not try to thread the needle of trying to actually develop them in the event that you don't get a Wimbiama. James Harden doesn't come home, that you have to stay with the, the kids you have and roll forward with them. They never even built for that alternative. So at this point, it's Wemby and Harden or bust. And to me, there's a high chance that neither of those even come true. Let's talk about Wemby for a second, because, you know, a lot of the stuff was on what Silas says this past week. A lot of the stuff was on what Tillman Fertitta said this past week. And, you know, you noticed what Stone said, but not sure many Rockets fans noticed this. Brian Windhorse and Jonathan Givoni did an extensive feature on Victor, and they were in France talking to him, and they said Wemby doesn't care what team drafts him. And that's a big deal for me because, you know, the Rockets are the trashiest of trash teams right now, if you're looking at it from Wemby's standpoint. But under no circumstance will he refuse to play for any team. That's a huge positive for the Rockets. And he and Gavoni also said that uh, his team of people in France are doing things to make sure that his feet are a healthy and long-term in good shape because you know, if you're a Rockets fan, that, we saw this with Yao Ming. We know this with guys with his size. Uh, this kid eats organic. I mean, he they do everything. They've got a team around this guy for everything. And Frank, he's so unusual. The more you hear about Wemby, the more impressive he is, especially when he, sa- when he just says over and over again to anybody that'll listen that he wants to be the best player ever. Yeah, I read the article, long article. It was like 4,500 words. Um, and yeah, impressive. I mean, the guy reads novels and listens to classical music on the bus rides to games um he eats truffles he's an artist um you know they work out specifically just his big toe using bands before games like who has a big toe a big toe workout so um i mean yeah i'm very impressed um I, i like to me he's giving me vibes of almost kareem abdul um with some of that insightfulness from a big man like that that you know he he he's a thinker as much as he is a basketball player. And I do like that because I feel like that does translate to on the court as well. Um, that he is somebody that has a very high IQ. Right there, what you just said. High IQ. Exactly. That is something that I worry about with a lot of the Rockets players. That we uh, Everybody talks about the talent of a lot of the guys on this team. And Shane Goon's got some IQ. Um, uh, some other guys might have a little bit. KJ, but- I think KJ, you can say that Tate. He's older, so you expect that. But, yeah, a lot of our young guys, um, yeah, it it's leaves a lot to be desired in that IQ category. On the court, we're not talking about their, like, book smarts or anything yeah. like that. Well, that's what about I get, basketball. exactly. Yeah, just to clarify, you know, people will try to flip things. But, um, yeah, the, I mean, Wemby, I'm impressed. I, I think that as soon as he the, – here's one thing. There are two things that I'm going to point out. The first thing is that – he is somebody that when he comes to your franchise, you have to clean house. Like you're going to have to clean your house and get your affairs in order because the type of spotlight that that kid is going to bring on whoever drafts them. Hey, they're going to have BBC in your practices, CNN, ESPN. He's going to be a worldwide phenomenon. So all this stuff where Rafael Stone is at Rockets practices installing defense is going to stop because ESPN is going to be there with cameras at every single practice. So to me, that ind- indicates whoever your coach is, they got to be a real coach. So Silas is out the door. It's because your your dirty laundry is going to be out on full display. 
there's going to be national media folks at pretty much every Rockets game in the press rooms, all these softball questions that um, the coaches are getting now because nobody cares about us, gone. So that means you're bring, you're having, you know, the wind horses. They're going to be in Houston asking why X, Y, and Z. So the whole organization is going to have to step up their game um, when that kid comes in. And that, like I said, that involves Coach Silas. And Stone is going to get a shot at this. This is going to be his chance to make a mark as a GM. If he screws that up, he's going to be gone. I think Tillman doesn't care about anything but Wemby. He doesn't care about Silas. He doesn't care about Stone because Wemby brings him money, brings him notoriety. We know how Tillman loves to show off and flex things then when they're going well and not so much when they're bad as they are right now. The second thing is from that article um, that I saw, and this is a red flag for me, though. The previous league he was in, um, I think it's called Asvel. Before, uh, or the team he was on, Tony Parker's team, I think it's Asvel or something like that. When he played there, he got injured a couple of times, and they said it was due to the frequency of the games and the fact that they didn't really have a lot of time. And also for his game, he didn't have time to develop because there were it was a more veteran roster. They they didn't really slow down for him. These are guys that are trying to find, trying to get paid, possibly play in the NBA and things like that. So these are a lot of vets, and they're trying to win games. I looked at his stat. He didn't really do that good under those circumstances, given he was younger. This new team he's on, the Metropolitan, the Mets that he's on, they actually cater everything to him. I mean, their practice schedule. I mean, they barely play games because they practice so much. They had uh, Tremont uh, Waters, one of the point guards on the team, basically saying that my job is to set up Wemby. So that's unrealistic for the NBA. As we know, the NBA is a grueling schedule. One of the reasons Jabari and all these young guys struggle is because you're playing back-to-backs, four games and five nights. You're traveling from Toronto to, to L.A., to all these things. Hold on with that. You're, you're looking at this as a bad thing. I'm going to stop you for a second because yeah. I'm hearing you say all that. You're looking at this as a bad thing. That's my red, That's a red flag for me. That's all I'm saying. It's a red flag for me. I, I'm going to say the opposite because oh. the fact that he is, is not playing, I, I think it's good that he is. Now, the injury thing, that, that's a concern no matter what. You, there's nothing you could tell me about him that would make me not concerned about his injury issues because of his size. That's something that is going to be a concern no matter what. I mean, that's something that you just have to take a chance on because the guy is a freak and you got to take a chance on. I mean, you, just, you have to. I mean, he's, right, he's somebody, right, right. His, his ceiling is just so big. But the fact that he they're practicing a lot, that they're working on stuff, that they're not just playing. Because one thing I hate about the guys that we, we got today, Frank, with the, this AAU stuff, and all, they play a lot of games, but there's nothing to it. It's just getting out there and playing. They're not learning anything. They're not in the lab working on stuff. They're, to me, the, I look at that, what he's doing and what they're doing with him is the opposite and the problem. Everything that you just said, that is the problem. No, no, no. You're, you're misunderstanding me. That's not what I meant. What you're saying, yes. What I'm saying is literally the frequency of his body getting to play games. I'm not talking about the developmental side. I'm talking about the workload. He is in an environment right now where the workload is like he plays like once or twice a week. And to me, once again, I'm not talking about the development. I'm talking about when he gets to be an NBA player, we are not stopping the games because of Wemby. He's going to have to play. And I just don't know what his body is going to hold up like on that frequency of games in demand. 
Well, I think what, the I'm reason saying. they're, I'm saying the reason they're probably doing that is they're trying to be real careful because this is a guy that's oh, weird body. It's developing. He's still young. Let's not put too much pressure on it too quickly. Let's let's let him grow into man size and whatever. That's the risk, though. That's the risk. It's still a risk. You can't lie. That's still that's it's an unknown. You're preparing for something because you it might happen. And I think they're smart. But to me, that's still a risk. And I will take the risk 100 out of 100. But that's the risk a team has to take. You, we're going to talk a little bit about Scoot in a second. But just on that compared to Scoot, who's played, I don't know, like 14 games this year. He's injured all the time. Nobody's talking about that with Scoot Henderson. <laughs> but that is absolutely an issue. This guy's been injured a lot. He's barely played any games the last two years. The last two years in the G League, if you look at the stats, I mean, this is, to me, That's a, it's just as much as a concern with him. I don't know how much real, I mean, you call we call them games, this G League at Ignite stuff with the Thompson Twins and all that stuff. I mean, is it is is that that, I mean, when you're playing a real college schedule and you're doing what these college kids are doing, it's a total huge difference between the G League, the G League Ignite. You know, you can talk about what he's doing, but at least he's playing against some big body regular guys. These guys, you know, the G League, the G League Ignite, all that sort of stuff. I mean, they're playing so few games, and it's – I just – I mean, I, I worry about all of these guys, the the Thompson twins, Scoot, all of them. Yeah, I think, well, Wemby, obviously the frame is – the reason he's working on his big toe and he has all these specialists, nutritionists, and even in the article they said they don't want him to get big or put on any weight. They just want him to get fun- functionally stronger because of – they're trying to prevent – I mean, no other – prospect in the draft is going to be going through those lengths not to get hurt because history tells us what what's going to come with his size so yes with school you know I'm not really worried about injury if he is injured and eh, you know but I'm worried about other things with other athletes once again for Wemby I pray for Wemby you know Tillman's <laughs> buzz, drunk whatever he was aside let, yes please pray for Wemby because we need Wemby um if, if you get Wemby in the in the building Stone could get fired. Tillman could get could sell the team. You're still going to have Wemby on your team. Um, that's a guy, to me, is a pillar for a dynasty. If you get the right coach and, and front office in place, you can really build a, a real, real sustaining dynasty around a town like that. Um, and the game is real. You know, the fluidity in which he plays, um, just the, I mean, he's just like a creative player. So just something that we've never seen. So, but once again, the, the risk is there and everybody's going to take the risk on that. But I am, that is a red flag to me that right now the world he lives in is a bubble world that is created solely to make him look good and develop him, which the NBA is not like that. And he might luck out and get, get to a coach Silas as his coach and, <laughs> and get to, you know, just be the role man for some bad guard that's still learning how to do a pick and roll. Now we hope, I mean, there are other teams I'm interested in seeing what team does get him. If we don't get him, I'd like to see Wemby with a coach Popovich because I feel like he's that level of talent that you kind of want him to go to a historic team. So if I was being, let me step out. I'm going to make Rockets fans mad real quick. As a basketball fan, honestly, I don't think we deserve him. But as a fan of the Houston Rockets, I, I, we need him. But if it was me, I need the talent that he is. I want Wemby with, a, with Popovich. I want him with somebody that I know they're not going to squander him and put him and he he's going to be winning five titles and things like that. I don't want it to be like AD New Orleans where you get a talent and they lose so much that they end up leaving or, you know, any of these, or LeBron and, you know, Wemby wasn't born in Houston, Texas. So if he leaves like LeBron, he's, he's not coming back. 
because his mom lives in Houston. So yeah, I I want him, but yeah, I do. That is a bit of a red flag to me, the the injury thing. Yeah, I mentioned Scoot, and I want to ask you something about Scoot because everybody agrees there's no franchise who's trading out of Wemby in the top spot. But what about Scoot? And I'm just going to throw this out there: the Pistons, they've got Kate Cunningham and Jaden Ivey in their backcourt. The Pacers have Halliburton and Matherin in their backcourt. The Hornets have Lamelo. These are all young point guards. Uh, the Blazers have Dame Lillard, veteran point guard, but they also remember they've got Shaden Sharp and Anthony Simons. If any of these teams land in the two spot, and there's a lot of them that are up there high in the draft, except for Portland, the Rockets, you know, they would likely be three, four, four five. We're going to throw out the whole idea of them having Wemby and say they're in the three, four, or five. Could you convince them, Frank, to swap picks for? You know, either the Nets pick package, maybe partial of the Nets pick package, a combination of some of your assets like Tari and KJ, et cetera. Is there a way that you could convince them out of Scoot? Because some of these guys, I don't know how well they would work in combination with Scoot um, if you if you do that, right? I think some of those teams you named would take them, uh, like LaMelo, uh, the Hornets, I think they would take them because they don't have anything else aside from LaMelo. Um Pacers, eh, maybe, because, you know, Halliburton is nice. But even them, I, I think a lot of teams, regardless of what their guard situation, I don't, I can't think of anybody that have two just that high-level guards. Even Cade. Cade is injured, and Ivy is still, to me, Scoot is a way better prospect than Jaden Ivy is. But if you were to find a team that is willing to move, um, I think, yeah, it would probably cost you the whole shebang. Like, they would want not only because – Obviously, if Wemby wasn't in this draft, he'd be number one. So some people call him generational. I don't because I've seen Scoot before um, in different players, you know, and maybe people may not see it, but I, you know, I've seen the Stefan Marbury types. Maybe they're not as big. Um, to me, Scoot is just a throwback, just a, a, a power guard that's, uh, he has high IQ. I think that's really what separates him from a lot of the other guys that you will see with his build and athleticism is that he actually plays the game at a certain level. So I think that's what separates him from a lot of a lot of these guys that are uber athletes, is that he could read the game. He's actually a savant in, 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 a, in, a, in a kind of a way. Um, yeah, for the Rockets to make that move, would I do it? No. I would trade out to try to get a known, uh, known asset, like a player. But if I did want to move up, I think the market to move up from like four, for example, to two, would not only be that fourth pick to swap it out with that team, it would cost you probably both of your future Brooklyn picks and possibly some of those swaps. Is that worth it? Yes. I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know. It just depends. Who's that? Are you at three or four? I think that also, also hey, let me ask you, th- let me ask you this then. Okay. And I, maybe you're not as sold as I am on scoop, but let me just, I'm going to remind people. Um, would you, if you were in the draft that the Knicks were in and you've got Zion and Ja, and then the drop-off is R.J. Barrett, would you give up? Because, look, man, everybody thinks every pick that they're giving up is going to be the a, a one, two, or three pick that they're – no, it's not happening. It's it's very rare that you, tr- you trade for a pick and that pick's going to end up in the top three. This is a guy that everybody said would, this he would be a number one pick, like you said, if this was another draft. This is basically like saying, would I give up all these assets and who, who knows what any of them are going to be for a guy that everybody seems to believe 
could be a one on a championship team, a, a one on a championship team. To me, it's more expansive than that. It's not just draft picks. Remember, once I, what I said earlier, the Rockets are one of the most asset-poor organizations. So this is a, we have one bullet in the chamber. And if you're going to go for school, you're going all in. And once you do that, you're kind of stuck for a couple of years as it relates to assets without uh, breaking up a bunch of stuff you already have. And you're never going to get the return back. I, I don't ever foresee us drafting those Brooklyn picks. Honestly, um, if it was my world, those picks would be gone as soon as this summer. It's going to be Scoop versus the field, and the field includes trades and possible players that are out there currently in the NBA. And I think that's where you start wondering, like, maybe you're taking yourself out of uh, being in position to land who knows that sh who shakes free in the next couple of months. You know, the NBA, if I told you what the – uh, league looks like in December right now. And I went back in time and told you, hey, yeah, Kyrie's on Dallas and uh, Russell Westbrook's in, on the Clippers. You would think I was drunk. So once again, it's not just that. It's also the flexibility of trying to acquire players via trade. I don't think Scoot is like, I don't know. I don't put him as a top 15 player right now. I think he's going to develop into that at some point in his career, but just like all the other young players, there's going to be a lot of factors that impact his development. Also the injuries, is he go to the right team, right system, all that. If I can get like a Jalen Brown, that's something I have to think about. You know, if somebody like a Jalen Brown is available for me via trade um, to say that I want to trade on my picks and am I doing that for Scooter Jalen? I don't know. I'm just saying. So it's not to me that clear cut um, as much as I love Scoot Henderson. I, I just say like, if you got a chance to go for one of those guys that, we think could be one of those. Yeah. He's not, nobody's coming in and being a top 15 player. Yeah. It's going to take time, no matter who it is, no matter what we never see guys that just come in and enter that at the beginning, it's going to take a few years always. But let me just point out that look, Damon Stoudemire don't want to go anywhere with the Blazers. So they've got shade and sharp. That's taken a while to develop. Damon Stoudemire not, might not want to wait around that Dang long. Lillard. I mean, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Dame Lillard. Dame, <laughs> Dame, Dame Lillard, Dame Lillard. Uh, uh, yeah, they got Dame Lillard that doesn't want to wait around a while. And, you know, they have Shaden Sharp. If you're if you're Portland, maybe Shaden Sharp shakes free. But I, I'm going to I want to throw out the fact that, you know, with Kate Cunningham and Jaden Ivey. What about this? What would you be willing to give up if they get scoot for Jaden Ivey? Because I just don't see those three guys. Working together, you can't put all three of those guys on the court. I don't think. Um, I don't think necessarily that's the best plan. And and for them, they might they're really shallow in in the forward position. So is there something that you would be willing to give up? Because at that point, you're giving up stuff for Jaden Ivy. And since you're not swapping out to get Scoot, basically, you're getting also the pick that you're going to get in the three, four, or five spot as well. Would the Rockets be, will we be the people with Scoot? Or you're looking at Detroit from Detroit's point of view? No, I'm saying if they get, if they land it too with Scoot on the board, what would you be willing to give? What do you think of Jaden Ivey? Oh, okay. We'll be willing to take him and some other assets. I love Ivy. I think he's, um, he's going to be good. I think uh, in a couple of years, like he's going to be a player. Oh man, that's tough. They've got centers with Wiseman and Duran. Duran, yeah, he's real good. Duran's the the bigger deal, but they've got you know they, they've got centers. Um, they have 
guards, they, they don't have forwards. If you could give them a couple of those New Jersey picks somehow, and let's say it's Tari Eason and KJ Martin, like how, how much do you like Jaden Ivey? Oh man, that, that, that would be interesting. That would be interesting to get Jaden back. But honestly, we've done such a poor job with the guys we have now that Jaden would just be like having another Jalen. And for me, <laughs> well, if you, if you don't think they're going to hire another coach and they're going to change this around, then there's no, there's, it's not even a point of talking about it. Listen, I see my honest view is that next year is going to be year one of the rebuild as it relates to the building. That's how I view it. I know they've made some natural but Silas is it, Let's pretend Silas isn't going to be here because I'm he's not. About whoever, whoever's replacing Silas, they're going to have to start from scratch. They have a lot of work to do with these guys. Like we still were struggling to, to break the zone, man. Like, it's so much that our guys are behind on that I'm at the point that I, right now they, they have to start importing IQ unless we want this rebuild to extend on for another two or three years, which if that's the plan and they're going to do it confidently, I'm okay with that. But this whole phase two talk and all this stuff they're talking about, those type of moves like getting Jaden Ivey, that doesn't move the needle for, for that. Like you're going to need players that are, can make an impact right now because the guys we have right now, they're just not ready. Okay, then if if, if you're saying we're, we're going to need players and 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 you got to trade those Brooklyn picks, let's get back to that. I mean, that's the big question to me, Frank, is, you know, Rockets fans have convinced themselves that they can take these draft picks and, and these draft assets and go out and get somebody. Specifically, we're talking, of course, about the Nets picks to trade for that star that becomes available. So I just flat out, I'm going to ask you, who, what star are we talking about? Who's ready to pop loose? Because I've gone up and down rosters. And I find it hard to come up with a name or two. It's the NBA, brother. It could be anybody in any night. We could be talking right now. Wills could drop a bomb about the randomest player saying that they want out. But, I mean, obviously some targets. Mikael Bridges is one that Stone has already said they, quote, unquote, kicked the tires on. But he's not a star. And well, you know, if you're talking about, like, star, 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 how many stars are there in the NBA? And those guys rarely move. So I don't think we're going to get a star. In fact, we don't have the ammunition to get a star. Oh, sure we do. Because last year, we just saw Donovan Mitchell go to Cleveland for, for, for their first round picks. How many picks did Cleveland? Wasn't like four? Four and like... Look, it was not that much. We don't... How many... Do you know how many picks we have? But but the picks that we have are more... Val- when, when you're a team that's on the precipice of being really great, and you give somebody your your picks that likely aren't going to be good for three or four years because you're good and you're making that team good as opposed to we're in the, we're still in one of the better positions because we have the Brooklyn picks that at least have a chance to, they, this is a team that has a chance to go down into the toilet. I'm going to disagree with there because I feel like, hold on before you disagree with me. So you're telling me that you think that the Brooklyn picks are worse than the Cleveland picks that the that they just get for Donovan Mitchell. No, that's no, not that specific case. I'm not talking about that. That's a specific. I'm talking about in general. The the NBA is so in flux that a trade like AD to the Lakers, Paul George to the Clippers, while it may look, or even the Suns trade for uh for Kevin Durant, while it may look in short time, these teams blow up so fast. Like we saw with Brooklyn, they blow up so fast because these stars are so temperamental and the expectations to win are so high that you could have a dynasty one year that's tanking the next year. So that's why I just don't – and it could be the other way around where a team like Brooklyn looks like they're dead to rights, and next you know they flip those eight first-round picks they have and 
the 30 wings they have on their roster for who knows Bradley Beal or somebody that shakes free and joins them up with Mikael Bridge. So the NBA is such in flux. I, yes, I yes, you're you're what you said is true and probably probably like more probable, but it's it's it can go either way, man. That's how I see it. And for us, like when I say we don't have the ammunition, it's not that we don't have picks. We're we're competing with Oklahoma City. We're competing with you know Orlando. We're competing with Brooklyn now. These teams are loaded. Utah, these teams are loaded with picks. Uh, 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 New Orleans, uh, I can keep going. Indiana, Sacramento, they have more picks than us. They have more picks than us, variety of players, young assets that they can give to other teams to get said stars. And that's one of the biggest issues I've had with the development is because when you're developing these guys, not only for them to play good for you, so in the trade market, if you wanted to break up a Jabari and Jalen, that Lee Jabari doesn't look like the worst player in the NBA. That Jalen doesn't look like a cone on defense, and you know he's just a, a microwave scorer. That's why it's important to make your guys look good because if you, even if you love them and you want to move away from them because something better comes up, they're worth something. Every team, Orlando, every young team I know has better assets than us in their picks and in their players. And to me, when it comes to these stars, are going to shake loose. The reason I'm a bit skeptical about us getting a real star is because. Teams could outbid us. Memphis could put together a package to get somebody better than we can. So that's just, you know, it's it's a bit depressing, but the Rockets are behind the eight ball. So I'm really curious to see what Stone is going to do to turn this ship around this coming summer. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you to a point about, you know, we don't have the quantity of assets, but I think our quality is going to be a lot better just because the picks that we've got are Brooklyn picks. So when the team trades to us, they're not getting stuff from a team that's going to be good there are still they'll still have brooklyn's picks that we don't know you know that that's still in a in way more flux than if you give a great player to us and make us better i mean i know new orleans has got the lakers picks and and that kind of matters a lot so i agree with you about new orleans and there's a couple of those teams that i agree with you about but there's also a couple teams that i'm just like I, i i don't know you know what those first round picks are but a lot of times they got first round picks from teams that are good, like Milwaukee's first round picks, as long as Giannis is breathing and has got a pulse, the Milwaukee picks to me are meaningless. You know, they're going to be one of the best teams in the NBA. I think where the real concern is for Rockets fans, and I think this is where you don't think it out a lot, is there are, it's twofold actually. Number one, the real concern for Rockets fans is who wants to come to Houston because agents now make the decision of like, if, if if my guy wants out, where does he want to go? Well, unless Wemby lands here, you know, and, and, and this Harden thing comes through and all of these things sort of combine to make you a go-to place, then who wants to come to Houston, the worst team in the NBA for three years? You don't have players that are like, I want to get to Houston. The second problem that the Rockets are going to have is, you know, y- you can trade all of your assets and then what are you going to have left to deal if you're just talking about getting that first superstar, you're depending on all of these young guys sort of coming together and coalescing really quickly. Or can you combine all of your assets into two trades and get two guys? And maybe if two guys shake loose, the third thing, if you're the Rockets, if you're trying to get some of the guys that you have, these young players to develop and and, and do something quickly, you just made it so much harder because you haven't been developing them for a year and you put yourself a year behind the eight ball, as we've talked about in the past. It's like, you know, if, if these guys were ready to blossom and other teams look like, 
man, that Jabari showed me something and man, that Jalen and he's starting to do something or whatever. And, and, and that player decides to come over here. All of a sudden they go, well, this team looks like they're ready to go in, in a year or two. And, and, but you're working now on nobody wants to wait that there is no patience for stars out there. And I guess my final thing is, you know, it was my whole argument with Donovan Mitchell. When guys are are griping about changing teams and one out when the Woj bomb, as you said, comes along, the thing that you have to re- remember is those guys are usually 30, 31, 32. They're later in their career. And if they're younger in their career and they're doing stuff like that, like a Kyrie Irving or whatever, it's probably a guy you don't want to bank your future on anyway. So, like, that's the concern with this whole thing is you have to look at what the kind of, what kind of star is going to be that guy that's like, get me out of here. Like, yeah, if it's Luca, but I think we're still, that's not going to happen in the next six months. Jalen Brown's the guy that you mentioned. Why does Jalen Brown, I mean, what is going to happen where Jalen Brown's going to go, you know what? I want to leave a perennial MVP candidate and a team that knows how to build things and knows how to structure a team and is there all the time every single year. And I want to come to the Houston Rockets. That's why I asked you, like, who is this miraculous guy out there? I went through, I'm going through roster by roster. And I'm like, no, Rockets fans would be mad if we tried to trade for that guy. And that guy doesn't fit the timeline. There, there's no timeline. There's no timeline right now. I, we, beggars can be choosers. Um, I think with the Jalen thing, they did try to trade him a couple of times. I think that, that may, may be still being his mind. But, um, yeah, I, it's really hard to find a real star player right now. But I think the NBA changes so much. Like you said, the dream scenario for Rockets would be, obviously, to land a Wemby or even a Scoot, and maybe Harden comes back, and then you have something that may attract people to want to come down. And to me, it starts with attracting a good coach because that's also a key part of this to get a player to come down. They have to believe in what's going on down there. I don't think there's a lot of confidence in Steven Silas if he's your coach. Um, hell, I don't think there's a lot of confidence in Rafael Stone as a GM because all the losses Silas has compiled are still on under Stone's record as well. So, uh, you know, they, the organization needs a total facelift. Um, honestly, if, if I had to put money on it, or what I think is going to end up happening is we're going to be somewhere in the middle of, what everybody's dreaming of and uh, total catastrophe where they may be able to swing for a guy that's not a star, but is a player that, okay, he's a good player. Um, maybe Jalen takes a little jump over the summer. Maybe Jabari isn't the worst player on earth. And then you can get some vets in the, in the room that just want to play for a, a chance to get a, you know, another chance in the NBA, some guys that just, you know, you might have to overpay. You put together a team that wins 35 games. To me, that'd be a big step up because at least, the way I view it for our young guys, they can learn how to be NBA players in that time frame. Then maybe if we get lucky enough, by the time Jalen Green is talking about his extension and Jabari is in his third year and all these guys that we drafted are coming to their fourth and fifth year, they can start being good on their own. And then you'll have a natural team of players that you don't have to go outside for a star. You have a star in Jalen Green. Jabari Smith is a all defensive type of guy. But the Rockets need to start right now, man. They're so behind. And it's their fault, you know, their fault. I don't think they knew what they were doing. It seems like just like Tillman, pray for Wemby. That was their motto, and it showed in what they've done. And now they really have to get their homework done, and they haven't studied. So, yeah, it's going to be a fun summer. Uh, I mean, I'm really excited to see. Starts with draft night. 
where we land, that is going to trigger a whole series of things that I'm just ready to see. It's going to be a movie this summer. And you and I talked a little bit before the show because we saw this kind of breaking later in the day. But, I mean, going back to Raphael Stone, man, Quinn Snyder, they're not talking he could end up with the Atlanta Hawks because they fired Nate McMullen. And this is back to Raphael Stone taking his sweet time with stuff. If he did not fire Silas in time and missed out on maybe the opportunity to get a Quinn Snyder, and you don't know who else you're going to miss an opportunity on because you're waiting and waiting and waiting because it's let's we let's get back to where we started. Let's hey pray for Wemby, pray for yeah. Wemby, pray for <laughs> Wemby. That's all this is. That's a whole season we're throwing everything else to the side. And if that doesn't happen, if that 14% chance does not happen, there is it it appears to me that there is no quote unquote plan. The backup plan. There's one plan and it's a bad plan and it's a plan that, you know, if it if it falls through the 14% chance is all you got. If it falls through, where are you? Not far. Yeah, that's going to be a, a sad situation. The Silas thing, obviously, you know, I think there's some politics going on there with him. Um, but yes, I agree. Quinn Snyder may be off the board. Maybe Ime is going to be off the board fairly soon. A lot of these coaches um, and the teams that are going to be start firing and hiring are going to do so, especially the ones that aren't in Wemby land. So once again, just like players, what coach wants to come to Houston? I think Wemby is a draw, so maybe you wait till after the draft. So to see who you can get um, that's available that maybe is not working at the time, but I think a lot of the elite coaches, I just don't see them saying, I want to go coach Jabari Smith and Jalen Green down in Houston. Because once again, it's so important. And I've, I talked, me and Mike on Spaces talked about this the whole time through this rebuild. The reason that you want to develop your guys and make them play good, despite trying to tank, there's because you attract people to say that's where I want to be I want to be with those guys I want to go coach those kids I want to play with that young star we failed at that and now the fan base is going to learn the repercussions of just being lazy and, and just throwing you know everything into just praying for Paulo and it seems like they didn't know what to do with Jabari Smith when we didn't get Paulo Bancaro now it's pray for Wemby and Lord knows what their reactions are going to be from there so yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm really excited to see. I think Silas does make it through the season. I'm sure he's going to be gone as soon as the season's over. Um, I do hope they get a coach right after that and then start planning for what type of team they want to build. It's amazing a team that was kind of built on analytics just a few years ago doesn't get what 14% means. But uh, what's going on with Rockets Chop Shop before we wrap things up? Yeah, more of the same, man. We're just uh, doing the post-game lives. I, like I said, I, I just did a video um, looking at the the article by Gavoni and, and Windhorse, uh, kind of going through what I think about Wemby. Like like you, I was very impressed um, with just, you know, I, I really do put a lot of stock into the insight that players give and how, you know, some of the stuff they say and how they maneuver. And I think Wemby is a real deal as far as a a culture setter. This guy, I mean, he there was a, a thing that they quoted him saying that he his idea of a rebuild is what the Rockets, I mean, the Warriors did in the 2010, uh, 2010s, which Rockets fans may not like that. But, yeah, that's that's a good answer. <laughs> that's yeah. a good answer. That's a good answer, man. Good. He's a good kid. Subscribe on YouTube. It's the Rockets Chop Shop. Thanks a lot, man. Yes, sir. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, don't forget to support us by subscribing and commenting on YouTube. You can always listen to us on Spotify, Apple, or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends about us and share our show links on social media. 
Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.